Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, Rebels, welcome back to another episode of the Midlife Career Rebel podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, and we're having another amazing conversation with uh, a fellow podcaster and entrepreneur and just all around, you know, badass who's about to <laughs> drop some great information about um, our topic for today. So um, I want to introduce to you Kathy Guzman Galloway, who is a girl mom, entrepreneur, strategist, and 20-year veteran of the CPG marketing world. She's the CEO at K Galloway Consulting, where she helps small businesses to Fortune 500 organizations drive growth with strategy and innovation. She herself has worked in large corporations. She worked for PepsiCo's Frito-Lay before jumping into her her own entrepreneurial venture. And today... Um, What we're going to talk about is really how to decide if entrepreneurship is right for you, right? If you want to come out of that corporate world yourself and step into your own business and creating your own economy, if you will, by being an entrepreneur or consultant. And so that's what we're going to get in today. And so with that, Kathy, thank you so much for being here today. I am thrilled to be here and and I really appreciate you asking me back. I I love that I get an opportunity to talk about being a rebel. Uh, that's very much in line with my brand. So so I appreciate it. I'm excited to get into it. I love it. I love it. Well, I would love to just open up to talk about your own journey, right? So you worked in corporate, you know, probably followed that ladder that you know, way of, uh, that we've all been taught, get that education, get that job, get in that space, climb that ladder, um, but decided to pivot and step into doing your own business. And I would love to hear your journey through that process. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was, uh, it was some journey. It still is. I think, you know, we're always on a journey. The journey doesn't end until the journey ends. And so I, I embrace that. And I love, love that. that. Uh, love that. I, I love to see what what's coming ahead, but in the the first couple of phases of my journey, I started, as you said in the intro of my career, as a marketer at PepsiCo in their Frito-Lay division, and it was a tough um, six or so years. It's a high-performing, high-demanding organization, PepsiCo, um, as per their results accordingly, and um, it just didn't fit me. I I can say this now in retrospect. I didn't, I thought I was not the right thing for PepsiCo, but I know now that PepsiCo was not the right thing for me. And, and I, and I struggled a lot in that environment in that, um, while I was a high performer and, and highly ambitious, the culture of winning, um, at all costs and, and often, at the expense of others, just didn't work for me. I didn't know how to navigate the politics of those relationships to help myself 
um, succeed on their terms. And mm-hmm. again, I can say that very eloquently now because it's been, I don't know, 10 plus years since I since I left. Um, I certainly could not have articulated at the time. It felt at the time like I was just less than. I didn't know how to do this. I don't know how to show up into a white man's office and say, please sponsor me. Please look at the work that I'm doing and and push for me and, and help me succeed in this organization. Um, and particularly in an organization where diversity numbers were very low. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I struggled in that time. Um, shortly after that, or, or once I was there, my husband and I decided to start or to open a mom and pop store. We purchased a mail center, like a UPS store, but it was like a mom and pop branded. And that felt like my first way into entrepreneurship. We thought, okay, this is ours. We can make the thing look the way we want it to look and have all the flexibility in the world. And luckily I got pregnant with my second daughter about a year into it. Um, At the time it didn't feel lucky, but what I didn't know is that uh, about six months into my pregnancy, the world was going to collapse and we were going to have this ridiculous um, economic situation. Um, but because I was pregnant, I was forced to sell the business. And and it, I just sold it just before the, the markets crashed and everything went went downhill. And so, you know, the, the universe pointed me into the right direction. I went back into the corporate world um, and I found myself at a few other organizations and laid off twice throughout that time. And once I quit a job, um, at an organization where the founder was verbally abusive to his staff. Mm. And those experiences all collectively uh, pushed me to say, that's enough. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with other people dictating what success looks like for me. I'm done people owning my, um, my expertise. I'm done with people telling me when I can or can't spend time with my kids or when I can do the dishes or or do a load of laundry (laughs) or go on vacation for a month, which we did, by the way, just this past month, we spent in Costa Rica for a month. I I was done with all of that. And that's what really drove me to say, let me think about being an independent consultant. And, uh, and I, and I spent maybe a month and a half after my, my second layoff, I spent about a month and a half thinking and thinking, do I do this? Do I do this? There's a lot of imposter syndrome and fear and nervousness. And I jumped right in, reached out to my network and said, Hey, if there is any work, maybe possibly I'm here, I could help. Two days later, I had my first and still longest running clients, which is Keurig Dr. Pepper, and I never looked back. And and now it's been nine and a half years I've been consulting and best decision that I ever didn't really make that I sort of <laughs> fell into. And, and I, I, I like to say that I'll never look back. I never want to say never, but um, I don't see myself looking back. And I, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about this in a minute, but I'll tee it up by saying that I've learned so much about myself and what is the right fit for me and what mm-hmm. makes me successful in a business environment that didn't fit in the corporate world. And I didn't know that I didn't fit because I didn't know what the alternative was. And so now I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And, and as you know, I have my own podcast where we talk about being in a fork in the road. And I try to highlight stories of other women who have gone through that for that same reason that we can't see what's on the other side until we experience it 
or hopefully hear it from others like myself. And, and that's what I'm trying to do is get people to see that there is something else, even if it feels scary, uh, that might just be a better fit for you. So that that's that's my story. And this is where I am now. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I had the pleasure uh, of being a guest on your podcast, which was mm-hmm. so amazing. We had such a wonderful conversation and I'll definitely put a link to that podcast episode so you can listen yes, to please. that conversation as well. But, you know, you said so many great things and um, which brought up some questions that I know some people may have. And one, I'm I'm wondering, I'm curious if your previous venture into entrepreneurialism um, helped you around for the second time when you decided to go into it, like, like my, so really, if you hadn't done that first venture with your husband and, you know, kind of bought this, 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 um, postal mom and pop shop, would you, do you think you still would have, um, felt empowered or that it was even possible to step into entrepreneurship later? Actually, I don't think it helped at all. Funny enough. Um, and, and and if anything, I think it may have frightened us a little more, um, which mm. is a shame. And I hope that that's not the experience for others. But I think it was just a unique combination of things in that yeah. it was an industry neither one of us knew anything about. My husband is in, in, in finance and in financial reporting. I'm a marketer. I do consumer packaged goods. And here we are like with a, with a mail center. I don't know anything about the mail system. I didn't know anything about that. Um, and, and then the, the second piece of it is that I had a young daughter. She was one, one and a half. And then I got pregnant. So I had that stress happening. And then you added this sort of financial crisis on top of it. So I think the, the, the series of events really did, did not help in any way. However, um, I think what, I can appreciate from the experience is that even though it was difficult and painful, and I don't know that in the end, it really added a lot of positive to, to our lives. I still decided to do something else. And, and I still decided to go into entrepreneurs, something entrepreneurial. And I think the reason for that is that, um, you know, failures always teach us something. And, and in that mm. case, I, I do think in many ways it, it is, a, there's some failures in there. I don't know necessarily that the whole thing was a failure because there were circumstances beyond my control, but the experience did teach me about taking risk and being willing to go out of the my comfort zone. Um, again, I don't know that in the moment I would have seen it or could articulate it, but having gone through all of what I've gone through now, I know that, that, that laid a foundation. Um, but I say all of that and, and want to say that I would do it all over again. If I, if I would be able to do it, I would do it anyway, because every experience has some value to add. Um, even if it's to scare you more so that you're better prepared, every experience had value. So, yeah, Uh, I love that. Actually, I love that. I love that that was the answer. And the reason why I love that (laughs) is because, you know, I think sometimes what sometimes people would have this misconception that, well, 
you know, she was an entrepreneur before. So of course, you know, yeah. she felt more comfortable to do it again. And for you to say, oh, hell no. Like that was a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> and if anything, for somebody else, it may have scared you off. But like you said, it taught you some things. And I love what you said about it helped to, in a lot of ways, redefine failure. At least that's what I'm taking mm-hmm. from it. Like, like to redefine it as not a bad thing, but a learning opportunity so mm-hmm. that when you want to take that jump before, take a or take that jump or leap later that you can look at the experience and say, well, if I survived that, or what did I learn from that? Or what did I glean from that? Or how did I grow from that? Even though it may be looked upon as a failure to other people, that it served as um, a teaching opportunity for what you can potentially do in the future. So love that that was your answer. Actually, I think that was absolutely amazing. The other thing you said that I really loved is that you can't often see the possibility until uh, of what could be until you actually are in it and experience it, which I think is so true. And I think so often we want to control the outcome and want to know the outcome. So we don't put ourselves in positions to just like kind of go for it and hope for the best in terms of the outcome. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think that is so powerful that the fact that, you know, you can't always see what's going to happen until you're in it. So yeah. You know, yeah. how did you decide to like get beyond that and say, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? I'm going to put myself out there and go for it. Mm, this, this is such a hard one. And I'll be really frank that I think I only really um, learned and absorbed this in the last three years. And I think, and, and what I, what I mean by it is this, this willingness and ability to let things happen to mm. listen to the whispers, to to watch for the clues, to allow myself to explore possibilities that seem interesting without mm. feeling like I have to have all the answers right at the beginning. It took me a long time to get to that place. And I think I'll tell you why it, it didn't work and then how I wish I had thought of it differently. I think it didn't work in the past because especially early on in a new business or in a new career, you're worried about proving yourself. You're Mm -hmm. worried about making sure that I can show, I could do this shit. Like I got this, like I know what I'm doing. I want everybody else to see that I know what I'm doing. I want to tell myself, I know what I'm doing and exploring and being open to potential is not knowing your shit. It's knowing the opposite. It's, it's Mm -hmm. saying, I don't know. I don't know what this is. Like, I'm not sure what this is about. Like, I got to go talk to some people. I got to learn about it. And that's uncomfortable. And and it worked for me because I got to finally a place that I felt confident enough in what I was doing and how big my business has gotten, how successful I am based on my own definition and including others, right? And the perception of others of me that I could give myself that freedom. And that's Mm. a shame because if I had allowed myself to do that, in year one, who knows where I would be, right? Who knows what, what, where I could have found myself in. Yeah. And the problem that is inherent in that is the ego. And I talk a lot about this when I'm, when I'm coaching people who want to become consultants or want to become entrepreneurs in any way, and you are leaving a high-performing organization like a PepsiCo, and there's, you know, hundreds of them across the country in every industry, you're leaving a culture in which your high performance is constantly being um, reinforced 
or mm. commented on or evaluated. Even if nobody's telling you you're high performing, the concept and the idea of high performance is always being uh, talked about and reinforced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You leave that environment and now there's nobody there to say to you, hey, it's the annual review. Let me tell you how amazing you are. All the amazing things. <laughs> Hey, right. by the way, we have this special project reporting to the whatever CEO of such and such. Let me assign you there because you're so amazing. Oh, let me introduce you to this new team. Hey, guys, here's me, Kathy. She's incredible. Like, she's an amazing part of it. There's nobody doing this rah-rah. It's just you. And so <laughs> as an independent person, and especially if you don't have a team, if you're a solopreneur, there's no rah-rah. There's nobody telling you how incredible you are. Even when you're working with clients, they may be super satisfied with your work, but they're not sitting there like writing you like a review or as my right. for it, which sometimes can be hard to get, even if they do love you. And so this feeling of support and the, the issue with your ego as an independent um, entrepreneur is really hard to manage when you come out of that universe. And that I think is what really stopped me early on from saying, be open today. It, it's happening right now. I'm in the middle of exploring something related to startups. I do quite a bit of work with startups, CPG companies, and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with that. And just, just earlier this week, I spoke with somebody who told me about venture studios. I don't know anything about venture studios. I'm Googling, I'm setting up appointments with people like, hey, tell me about this venture studio. Like, what is it? How does it work? How do I get one started? Is that something I should do? I would never have done that because I don't want people to think I don't know what a venture studio is, right? Like, how do I not know about this? Like, I'm an yeah. idiot. What am I doing, right? It, it's continuously happening to me now that I'm always learning about something new. Is a venture studio for me? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't matter. The point is that I'm open and willing to, to explore that. And it just took me time. And I hope people learn from that, that just forget the ego, forget wanting to get the accolade and give yourself that flexibility and that willingness to go and ask and explore and just see where the world takes you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so much brilliance because, you know, not only do you have to let go of the ego, but you have to let go of this idea that you think you have to know everything mm. and also feel very confident in what you do know and what you bring to the table. I think, I think, I think one of the most beautiful things that you, the way you shared it and what you talked about is that in the corporate space, we're so used to being externally validated. Mm. And what you're talking about is finding that internal validation for yourself. And I think whether you stay in the corporate space or decide to leave and become an entrepreneur, that I think is an important skill to develop anyway, that you don't have to wait for the performance evaluation or the kudos to know that you're brilliant. And, and too often, I think when we rely on that, when that's not there, then we question our brilliance and our value and things of that nature. So, so one, finding some ways to really validate that for yourself. That's one of the big things we work on in, in my coaching program. It's like owning that brilliance, regardless of what anybody else says or the degrees you have or all that kind of stuff. But the other thing I love that you said, which is so amazing, is being open to new things. Like, I don't know what that is. And, you know, I don't have to act like I know what it is. Let me explore it so I can learn more and grow in my knowledge and what I can offer and what I could do and being okay with that. So I think I think those are so such brilliant points, um, you know, that you brought up, you know, so that you're not just relying on what was, but you're really relying heavily on what you already know you bring to the table and being open to what's so much more. 
The other thing before we get into like really deciding about entrepreneurialism, you talked about fit, you know, and I, I did a TED talk about a TEDx talk about, you know, fit and belonging, you know, about whether, you know, how we too, too often struggle to um, disconnect ourselves from our worth and our value, trying to fit into something as opposed to owning it all and finding places where we can actually show up powerfully, authentically. And, you know, and you talked a little bit about that. And I just wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, this thing about like how you knew when you were in um, that world that it just wasn't a fit that and you were constantly like well let me try it here let me try it here and it just wasn't a fit and really listening to that and not like suppressing that thinking well it must be me as opposed to no I'm just not these places just aren't built for me how did you kind of navigate and negotiate you know this whole thing about fit particularly I'm sure because a lot of people were telling you girl you at PepsiCo we're free to lay what you doing you need to stay that's so awesome right? <laughs> right you know yeah yes yes not only were other people saying that there's a lot of um cachet that comes with these big company names mm, um, you know not, yes. not just PepsiCo but all of them right are you working any of these big companies They're like wow you work at Apple wow you work at General uh, uh, Motors wow you work at you know whatever and people feel like there's a lot to that, which there is. Don't get me wrong. PepsiCo on my resume has brought me so many open doors. So there is a lot of value in that. But then we also attribute the strength of that organization to the right way of doing things. The only mm. way of doing mm. things, right? It's PepsiCo. They clearly, they they know what they're doing. Like this universe is set up um, to succeed. It has continued to succeed for decades and decades. Clearly, I'm the one who's off. And I don't know that I figured it out until, until I was on the outside, uh, until I got to where I am now. Um, being in that universe, what I was navigating was, it, it always comes back to the ego, as it does for many things, is I, I am ambitious. I am very ambitious. I come from uh, a line of Dominicans, my family's from the Dominican Republic, Dominicans who were entrepreneurial, who were rebels in their own way. My grandfather uh, was born in 1904 and he was a doctor in his village and he was handing out prescriptions to people um, against the direct orders of the dictator at the time. He, he almost went to jail for it, right? So he's committed to his to his venture and Ooh, a lot of wow. that trickled down to the rest of us, right? Like, I, I'm, I want to succeed. I want to do the right thing. I want to um, I want others to see that success in me. And so if this is the universe that I'm operating in, I got to figure out how to make it work. And I, again, I just thought I didn't know how to do it. So I, what I hear a lot from other people that I said to myself is I, I just don't know how to network correctly. I don't know how to navigate the politics in this building. And what I really was saying is these politics don't know how to navigate with me because mm. I don't want to do politics. Right. Politics don't fit my my universe. I didn't realize that until I left it because all organizations have politics, period. Some operate a little differently. Some operate better, you know, in terms of fitting into my style than others. But what I learned about that wasn't until I left and and in the work I do now, I'm in a service position. My personality and my values are more service oriented 
then they are, uh, I don't know what the alternative of that is. Uh, I don't want to say success oriented, but maybe results oriented. I'm much more about service and how I can serve people. And so in this role, in this capacity, I could see that, oh, wait a minute, if I'm here to help you navigate your politics and give you success so you can be political in the way you want to do it, okay, that I can work with. I see it. I see how this is different now. I see how I can fit into that. I see how I can understand now from my clients that they do have politics, that they are playing those political roles, and that I support them in that. And it doesn't bother me anymore because I'm playing a different role in the politics than I was before. But I didn't catch that from the inside. And so I think this comes back to our last point of conversation, right, is being open to listen and understand how else it works and how else it could work might help you give you a different perspective. I might have I might have treated it differently being in the building then if I knew then what I know now. If I had put a service hat on instead of I need to win at all costs, I got to like beat out these people, I got to get myself that next promotion if I was thinking through the lens of service I might have performed differently and it might have been a better experience for me. And maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't have wanted my service-based approach. I don't know that. Um, but I didn't have the capacity at the time to see that there was that different path. So my navigating was poorly done. Now, granted, I was there for six years and I did get promoted once, twice while I was there but it was painful, right? It was painful and I, and I made it through and I'm glad now that I have such a different perspective and it really has changed the way I do business and it just makes me so much happier in the work that I do. Yeah, yeah. So you just needed a coach like me at the time. But anyway, I digress. Exactly. <laughs> but, that, yes. but that's exactly, I mean, what you said, you know, I love that you said that, you know, if you were operating, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you were operating mm. through the lens of your values, yes. if you were operating through the lens of, you know, who you are authentically, if you were operating through the lens of what made sense for you and honored your zone of genius and honored the way you like to work and be in the world, that you would have maybe, um, navigated the space a little differently or maybe even been more comfortable knowing that this isn't the right space let me go find a space that makes sense and I think that is so key is that we have to know our values we have to know who we are we have to know um you know what's important for us in all spaces so that we don't succumb to this idea of trying to fit into something and become something or navigate through something that's not really either worth it or where we should even be. And then thinking something's wrong with us because it's not working as opposed to, no, this just mm -hmm. isn't my space. So I love that. And I love that phrase of just working, operating through the lens of, you know, values and yourself. I just, I love that verbiage. And I just wanted to really highlight that. I think that is so amazing. Yeah. I yeah. And that. so it and makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you use the word authenticity. I think that's a great way to, to synthesize all of that, which is um, it, this in particular, as a woman of color, as a Latina, as an Afro Latina, somebody who looks like I look in that building is really hard to do it's really hard to show up there and say I, I don't want to do it this way I want to do it my way and it would have never really entered into my mindset to do that without having someone to really you 
even if, I think even if someone pushed me to do it, I would have had to kind of had an experience to get me into that space. Um, and, and, and the idea and the word of authenticity is just so powerful. Showing up as your full self every single day, regardless of what other people are bringing to the table, um, is really at the core of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, let's switch over into this idea of how to decide, like, how do you know mm. when it's time for you to make that entrepreneurial leap to maybe step into that world, to step into consulting? Because I know, I, I, you know, particularly women at midlife, I mean, we have so much experience that we probably can leverage into something and to do some consulting or take our talents. And, you know, I always say, you know, our little, our little toolbox and like go play in some other sandbox if, if, if we want to. Um, so how do we know how, how, what are the steps or the, the ways that you have figured out how to articulate for, um, or somebody can for themselves, if they want to step into entrepreneurship or step into consulting? Yeah, the, this I love talking about this. Um, over the years, I've had um, so many people, so many women, let me be specific, so many women, mid-career, typically um, moms, come to me and they want to set up lunches or they want to set up happy hours or they just want to like get on the phone and chat. Tell me about what you're doing. How did you get into it? Why did you do this? Is this something you think I could do? That's what actually led me to create the podcast. And now I'm working on a course, which is if you are ready to make that move, here's, here are the steps you need to take to get there. In all of that, I always start by talking about how amazing it is. It's fantastic. It's the best thing I've ever done. My schedule is mine. I, I take the entire uh, holiday. I take three weeks off on Christmas. I reduce my hours in the summer. I spend a month in Costa Rica or in Dominican Republic. I do laundry in the middle of the day, et cetera, et cetera. So many wonderful reasons to do this. Not to mention that in the work itself, I pick and choose what I want to work on. I have a bunch of loyal clients, et cetera. And then I say, however, this is hard. <laughs> this is not easy. <laughs> this is not like, oh, I don't like my job. Let me do this. Poof. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I never have stress again. Absolutely not. It's just different stress. This is not for everyone. There are some people who, many of us, half of us, if not more, who belong in the corporate world. But then there's a group of us for whom we get to a place in our career where we just have a much clearer, um, it's not a clearer vision. It's, it's more like a calling to want to do something our own way that we have a vision for what we want to bring to the table or the kind of people we want to work with or the kinds of values that we want to showcase. Um, that in particular was important to me. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the interview that I, I left a job where uh, the owner of the company was verbally abusive to some of the employees. In the moment, I allowed it to happen in front of me, leaving that and starting my consulting work. I remember reflecting on what are things that are important to me that I will never allow to happen again or that I want to make sure happen. And that was one of them. Like, what are my personal ethics that I need to make sure are, are present in the work that I do? Uh, and one of those was treating people with respect, which seems like something you shouldn't have to verbally state, but here we are, we have to state it. Uh, and so you you get to this place where there are, there are any number of these things, the kind of projects I'm working on, the people I'm working with, the company I'm working with, I'm maybe I'm working for Philip Morris and I'm thinking, I, I just don't wanna do this work anymore. Uh, I want flexibility because of my kids uh, because I wanna do something else. Maybe I don't have kids. I just, I wanna be able to volunteer or spend time with my aging parents. Um, 
any number of little whispers that are coming at you saying, this is just isn't enough anymore. This isn't right. Um, sometimes we're in a place where we're thinking the company just doesn't value me. They're not giving me what I need. That also can be part of it. But a lot of that can be solved. If you want to stay at a corporation, there are ways to fix that. So that alone isn't a reason to jump. There, there really has to be more of a sort of philosophical and holistic desire for you personally to do this. Because again, it's not easy. It is hard. It's challenging. I talk about the ego again because the ego is going to show up. There's nobody there to rah-rah you. But you also have to go out and you have to find work and you have to manage books and you have to hire people. And, and it's a struggle every single day in a different way than your work is today. So so I guess my my starting advice, or is this what I want to do, is listen to what's happening in your life. Is it asking you to challenge the way you work today and how your career is progressing? And if yes, then there's a whole evaluation process if this is the right thing for me, but that's the starting point. It may be enough to change jobs. Do you really want to be a consultant or an entrepreneur or start a business? There's a lot to consider about the way that you want to work and want to live before you make that jump. Mm -hmm. that is question? yeah 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 no I mean I think that's so important because I think people do look at entrepreneurialism and think oh it's just a matter of me you know hanging out my shingle and like the people will run as soon as mm. I say that I'm available for work <laughs> and that life will be easy and not realizing that I remember when I decided to pivot and leave my position um, as an associate dean to start my business it was, I mean, I've worked harder in my business than mm. I had to work, you know, when I was um, actually working in a corporate space, right? Or an academic space in, in my case. And, you know, you forget about the things that there's not the supply room down the hall that you could just go pick <laughs> up, you know, paper for your printer or pens and paper or whatever it is that you want to do, that there's not colleagues down the hall that you can talk to and brainstorm with or things of that nature that, you know, there's not the break room is your kitchen if you're working from home. And so like you have to stock that. It's not just there, whatever you, you leave. There's no sick leave. There's no vacation except for what you create on your own. And so there is a lot of trappings of that work life that is gone when you uh, become an entrepreneur. Granted, you could create those things in a way that make the best sense for you. Like I said, of two weeks vacation, I get a month and a half. Like, you know, you, you can do that. I mean, you do have the flexibility to be able to do that, but you have to still think about, is this something that you want to do? Do you want to, are, are you, would you rather have an entrepreneurial mindset in a corporate space or be in a space that allows you for that kind of entrepreneurial innovation, creative independence, or do you want to do that for your own? So I love that you shared that the first thing you have to decide is if it's right for you. I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier is understanding that lens that you're going, like, what are your values? What's important to you? What matters to you? What's your risk tolerance? All of those things of understanding that about yourself is key in understanding how to make that best decision. So, so yeah, let's say, and, okay, and actually, oh, go ahead, I'll, I'll add to that quickly and just say that, um, that when I was designing the course for how to start your consultancy, um, that actually is the very first piece of the course. Although the course is very much about all the things you got to get your ducks in a row, you know, got to get a bank account. Like, how do I think about creating a tax identification number? How do I hire people? Like these sort of really tactical things. I didn't even start with any of that until we start at the beginning with what are your intentions? Let's be really clear what it is you are hoping to gain through this experience 
um, before you even get too far along, because I don't want you to get to the end and say, oh, you know what? I really wanted X, Y, Z. I really wanted a team to cheer me on. And hey, there is no team. It's just you. And so setting those intentions up front is really important. And the course um, really just, just gives you an exercise with which to do it. But for some people, and myself included 10 years ago, I think having resources like yourself to be able to talk through it is really valuable because sometimes it's hard to know what you want. When you're mm. sitting in isolation and you're, mm -hmm. you know, I've had these conversations with people where they're like, well, I just, I just don't like this job because of X, Y, Z. And the more that you have someone to help facilitate your thinking through that, the more you realize, actually, it's not really the job. It's this one piece of it, or it's this one person. Yes. And so having yes. the opportunity to, if, if you feel stuck in that, to really talk through it with someone like yourself can be, can be a game changer in getting through that part of the process. That's critical. It's, you cannot skip that step. Yeah. 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 No, love that addition. Love that addition. So if you make the move into entrepreneurialism, you know, it's not easy. So what do you do or what do you say for those who make the leap, done all that work, clear that's where they want to go. But of course, as you mentioned, it's hard. Mm. <laughs> so when your family and friends are saying, you know, what are you doing? Like go back to that job. Or when you start thinking in yourself, like maybe I made a mistake, you know, it is harder than I thought it would be. And I think every entrepreneur, entrepreneur goes through that. And then you kind of push through it because you realize, yeah, it is hard, but you can, you know, get to the other side. What type of things do you suggest people do to kind of handle that or to deal with those type of challenges when they come up in that process? Mm. Um, my secret sauce has been my very small network of other consultants. Mm. And this um, this community that I've built, and it's small, that's purposely, there, right now there are two other people that I religiously rely on. Um, they act as your coworkers. Mm. And that is so important because when you are sitting alone in a room, looking at a screen, whether you're writing a proposal or a presentation, or you're working on your speech or writing your book, whatever it is you're doing, and you're by yourself in that room, you know, nothing you you're sitting there <laughs> like, I don't know how to write. I don't even know what grammar is like, I, who am I? Like the whole world is collapsing around you, right? You, you feel like the greatest idiot in the world. And having someone who you call and say, oh my God, Carol, I'm writing this thing. I feel like an idiot. I'm writing this and that. And then you say to me, oh man, that just happened to me yesterday. I was writing blah, blah, blah. And I felt like an idiot. We don't really solve anything. We just express these emotions to each other. Hang up. Great. I'm ready to write this now. And now I know that I'm not crazy. I've talked it through with you. Mm -hmm. That sanity check has been literally everything. Now, that's not the only thing. It's everything, but not the only thing. Um, there is a lot of work within my family. My, you know, my kids are, um, I talk, I should say, I talk to my kids and to my husband a lot about the work that I do uh, because it is very uh, isolating the, the work that I do now. I try to engage them in, I'm working on this project or that. I am engaged with organizations that are relevant to me, local and national organizations where I get to build relationships that way. And, and so a lot of that helps me to level set because the more that you can actually talk to people about the work they're doing, the more you realize that 
these people are not all Oprah's. It's not like all of yeah. them are incredible <laughs> and you're the only one not. When you start having a conversation like, oh, Carol, what's going on with you? Oh, I'm struggling with this. You're like, oh, okay. So it's not just me. I thought that, you know, I see Carol all over all over the internet and she's in all these events. She's doing amazing. I'm not doing any of that. But then I talk to you and you're like, oh, I struggled so much to get this interview or to do this. That makes me just bring everything down to reality. Uh, yeah. It really helps me to understand that what what we see online and what we see happening with clients is not always what what is the real deal but again i come back to that small tight network that little community that is there to act as your sounding board to really help you get through the hardest of days that is my absolute secret sauce love that yeah community is so powerful powerful and you you can't do it in isolation and i know we live in a society that seems to value individualism and competition and, you know, this idea that you have to go it alone to show that you're strong or tough or all that kind of bullshit, which that's what it is, in my opinion. Um, and it really is about community. It's about having people that you can talk to, lean on, know that you're not alone, give you some advice or tips to know that it's going to be a struggle. But, you know, I struggled too. Let me tell you how I got through it. You know, community is so powerful. I know there was a study that I think I read before that particularly with women, that um, women who work together in community going after similar goals were something like 85% more successful in achieving those goals than those who were going in alone because of community and because of having someone who kind of got you, got the experience, it can support you. It's so powerful. So I love that you shared that. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Total, yeah. totally. Total secret sauce. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. So, so listen, Kathy, what does being a career rebel mean for you? I mean, clearly that runs through your blood. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, speak of your grandfather, but, um, you know, what does, what does being, or even the term career rebel mean to you? Yeah, I, I do like to think of myself as a rebel in many ways, um, in that um, I I want to challenge the status quo wherever I can, um, not only because I look differently than most people in a room that I'm in, um, but also because I want to think different. Uh, you know, part of my job as a consultant um, and as a facilitator is to help people um, find clarity in, in the work that they're doing so that they can move forward. It's really part of my purpose and my mission. And, and I think clarity is rebellious in and of itself, because what I find mm. is that um, we, everywhere we turn, there are more tools and processes and frameworks and ways to approach things that it actually clutters thinking that can often just be clearer. Uh, and, and that's a lot of what I do is I come in and say, let's just simplify, let's just simplify. Um, and to me, that that is rebellious in the world, particularly of consulting, where uh, consultants make their money on, on frameworks and all this like fancy stuff that they bring to the table. Don't get me wrong. I have a few frameworks I use, but in yeah. the in the in the benefit of of clarity. Um, but even beyond that, I think, um, you know, I like to think myself as rebellious I like to encourage myself to be rebellious through the lens of service that we talked about earlier. Um, I want to show up for others in every way that I can and, and, and do it in a way that 
in and of itself is rebellious is it it's not often you see people handing clients to other to competitors or making introductions that maybe you'd keep for yourself um giving airspace to people that maybe you normally wouldn't right how how can i continuously challenge the status quo how can i find ways to help others that isn't the norm um, a lot of what i'm exploring today right i talked about a venture studio that i literally just thought of this week so it's at at level 0 but that in and of itself is is rebellious for the industry that i'm in and so i'm just trying to think about ways that i can show up for others in ways that that isn't happening now for the success of all of us, um, particularly when it comes to people of color, especially women, uh, black and brown women. And so, yeah, and that's how I think of myself rebellious. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tell me about the free course that you are putting together and how can people get their hands on that? Yeah, so we're still in the middle of developing it. It'll be out shortly. And the it's called the Consultant Launch Kit. It's specifically designed for you if and when you've decided um, to become a consultant, to think about all the steps you need to actually move into that work. Um, this is less about designing your business and more about like literally the steps, as I said before, I need a bank account, I need an email address. How do I hire people? How do I set up goals for my organization? Um, how do I find clients and how do I deliver with the greatest service? How do I deal with my ego? Uh, all of these things that really lay the foundation for giving you a successful business. Um, and so we're still working on it, but when it's ready, they'll be able to find it uh, on my website. It will be www.theclaritywizard.com. And, and we hope to have as many of you as possible and help you succeed as consultants. I love that. Oh, what a cool name too. And I will definitely make sure there is a link to that in the show notes so that you can access that and get your hands on it when that is ready. Correct. Kathy, what a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for all of the nuggets and the wisdom that you shared. I just love to hear about your experience and love what you're offering and doing you know, what, how you're giving back in the world, which is so amazing. Thank you. I'm glad I could pay it back because you did an amazing job for me as well. So I, I appreciate you asking me. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Rebels. Well, there you have it. Another episode that I know you're going to want to bookmark and listen to again and again. Um, join us next time when we will have other another amazing conversation with um, a woman who is changing the game and making a difference in the lives of others. And until then, have an amazingly rebellious week and I'll see you soon. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.